Hey everyone, it's Bill T, and welcome to Let's Talk Dubs, the premier air-cooled VW podcast. All right, today my guest is Eric Arnold with Eric Arnold Photography and many other things. Eric does quite a bit in the VW scene. He's a photographer. He puts out a calendar, puts on a car show, a lot of different things. So I'm sure you're familiar with Eric's name and uh, brought him into the studio today to kind of see what's going on. Eric, how are you today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I uh, appreciate you coming in. And so I typically start this podcast off with like kind of getting into how did you get into VWs? Like that's really... We all started someplace, and what's your story? How'd you get into VWs? Well, I have to blame my friend Kendall for all of this stuff, because it's all his fault. Uh, we were working together. We worked in a pharmacy together, and he was like, you know, I think I'd like to get one of those old vans that I can camp in. So I'm like, you mean like a Volkswagen? He's like, yeah. So we started looking into it, because neither one of us knew what we were looking at. So he's like, okay, we want this kind of stuff in the van so you can actually use it and go camping. So... He ended up buying a 77 Westie that was green. And like he would go out of town like on a business trip, and then he would let me borrow it and drive it for the week while he was gone. Nice, a good friend. Yeah, for sure. And that planted the seed. It's like, this is really cool. It's really fun to drive, and I could actually use it. And you know, I could go camping too. You know, this could be my thing. But years down the line, I finally saved up enough money that I was like, okay, I can finally get one of my own. Yeah. So that's what I did. Your Samba name is Easy, Easy Groove. Easy Groove. Mm -hmm. And then um, that's kind of where I first saw you. And then I saw, you know, I think when you're on the Samba or something like that, you see someone from the same city and you're like, well, who's this guy? I don't know who Easy Groove is. And, who, you know, and sometimes uh, one of the interesting things when you go on the Samba is you see someone from a city where you're at, but they're going by a different moniker and trying to figure out who's who. And so that's the first time I saw you. And then you were... I think when I saw you on there, you were, I think you were selling camping tables or tables that came out, came off the post. Is that right? I, I designed a external bracket for the Westie table. Right. So it was like my, my bus has a table that came stock inside because uh -huh. it's a camper, but we wanted to use the table outside and there was no way to do it because the, the system that was stock in the, in the Westphalia didn't work outside. So I designed a bracket that um, slipped into the jack point yeah and would hold the the stock table leg so you can use your table outside oh nice yeah so you kind of made you took something that functioned only when the door closed and made it functional with the door now open right is that, is that what it does yeah it, it takes the table from inside the bus to outside the bus nice so yeah it, it comes in handy when you're camping fully functional so now is it that this piece that you made you made you made ran a production run of those things and yeah i had a friend who was has the ability to weld because I can't. Right. So I sent him all the specs and we went through a couple design options and he started manufacturing for me and I would sell them through the Samba. Nice, nice. And so uh, from that, kind of it kind of brought you into the scene. When was the first time you went onto the Samba? Uh, when I was looking for a bus to buy, right? So like 2001-ish, I started looking and that's I joined in on the Samba and hit the classifieds as everybody does back right. then, you know. Uh, it was a different world back then, of course. But, oh yeah, but yeah. I finally found one, and I managed to pick it up. Nice. And that bus, and that's still the same bus that you have today. I still have it. Yeah, it was my first Volkswagen, and I will probably be keeping it forever. Yeah. So you you've had a lot of experiences. I mean, how many miles you put on that bus? Well, I just looked it up this week, actually, and since I bought it, I'm a hundred miles away from driving it, one hundred thousand miles. Oh really? Yeah. And in that 100,000 miles, has it been a pleasurable experience or has the, has, has, how many engine rebuilds? I mean, has it been, have you been pretty lucky with I that? Have, I've been extremely lucky. My bus 
engine has never been rebuilt. Really? Ever. Wow. I have all the paperwork going back because I'm the third owner and I, they kept all the paperwork. So I have everything. You know, it's the original Type 4. Yeah. It's fuel injected. Everything's completely stock. Wow. And total, it has 265,000 miles on it. Wow, that's incredible. But, you know, it's really it's really a testament. You know, it's funny because a lot of late model buses got a bad rap for, um, you know, the Type 4 motor and sucking valve seats and stuff right. like that. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a lot of the failure had less to do with the design and development and more about the maintenance of the vehicle, like people that just didn't take care of their vehicles or, or lugged them in the wrong gear or, you know, as as technology and other vehicles started getting where you could be a little more abusive with the car because of the water cooling and whatnot with these cars, you can't, you know, you can't throw it in fourth and just lug it up the hill because clearly you're going to blow it up. So that's a testament to the solid reliability of a, of a bone stock VW. Right. If you take care of it, it's going to take care of you yeah. just like anything. Yeah. So, so what's the furthest you've driven your bus? Uh, the first mileage wise is probably when I took it to Salt Lake City for the Utah Classic. Oh, so you drove it up there? I did. The first year I went to the Utah Classic, I took it up there. Of course, that was one of the trips that gave me a hard time. Yeah. But still made it. Nothing catastrophic, just some minor breakdowns or? Right. Well, I traced it back to overfilling the crankcase with oil when I did oh, the oil change. I was, be, wasn't thinking. You wanted to be a little extra sure. Right. <laughs> so that oil found its way out. Yeah. And into the heater boxes and smoked me out and all nice. that kind of stuff. But I made it. That's always nice. Yeah. And then you drove it there and ended up driving it back. Oh, yeah. That was nice. What year is that? Uh, my first year at the Utah Classic, I want to say three, four years ago. Oh, okay. Something yeah. like that. That's yeah. a good show. We just we were just there this last uh, this last time of Utah. Shout out to the guys up in Utah. They put on a pretty good event up there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's, it's always, I find it always interesting to go to different cities and just kind of see how, how their scene is. Because I think every city's got their own distinct kind of style the way they do cars kind of the group and the the, the people that do them and, and salt lake's got a good group of people you know there's a lot of really really cool cats up there in salt lake so absolutely i've made a lot of good friends up there since i started going up to that show you're you've been in the game a little bit but you're fairly new mm-hmm. it's your first big car experience like having a car that you drive on the road people stop stare at talk to you about it everybody tries to grab your ear at the gas pump stuff like that yeah, the, the Volkswagen is just like, I think that's pretty unique to Volkswagen because everybody has that story. And like I, every car I had before that was just generic. So Right, just a car. Right. <laughs> no one's like, hey, is that a Cavalier? <laughs> right. Is that a Chevy Citation you're driving? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. No. So I think that's one of the great things about, you know, having a VW and, and kind of driving them a lot is everybody. And sometimes people, sometimes, uh, you know, people... I think what I enjoy about it is people are really excited to kind of share their first story with a VW. You know, I've got a couple that are classic cars and whatnot, and and I get more reaction out of driving any one of my Volkswagens where just, and it's all walks of life. Every I, That's probably one of the, my favorite things about Volkswagens is everyone's got a connection. Everyone's got a story. Everyone either their uncle had one that drove their first car and it went to college in it. Everybody's got a kind of a story, which just makes it so unique and and. And I was trying to explain to um, my brother-in-law. We were driving. We were driving one day, and he had never been in like a bus, you know, like any kind of show car, hot rod, or anything like that. And so we were cruising down the street, and he's like, "Man, everybody's staring at us in this. Everybody just keeps looking at us." And I go, "I said that's why do you think we drive these things?" I'm like, "It's you. You put the suit on, you become this curbside superstar, and all of a sudden everybody's like, you know, gawking and checking you out and thumbs up and all this stuff." And so. Um, you know, I, I make it a point, like when my, my kids have friends around or whatever, to load them up in the bus and we'll go, 
to, if they're going to a church dance or something like that, I load up all the kids in the bus and then we head across town. I accidentally cruise the strip with the kids Oh no! and, and they just like, <laughs> and the, and the kids, it's so crazy to see that experience that they have when all of a sudden they're in something or they're part of the center of attention or something that's drawn some attention and they really, they really love it. And I think that's kind of one of the things that once you experience that, I think that's one of the things that just keeps pulling you back and wanting to have a vehicle that's unique and wanting to be, even, even people that aren't super outgoing, really boisterous and what, but just having like your, your it's like you, that's, it's your thing mm-hmm. and you kind of get to drive it. And so it's always an experience that I've really enjoyed. And so having that experience is, has it made it, have you made more friends at the gas pump in this vehicle than anything else? <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. Because like you said, everywhere you go, you know, people are taking your picture, you know, people are giving you the peace sign, you know, just a wave here and there. It's, you have more casual conversations with people you'll never see again when you're driving one of these things. It's unique. And it's, it's been, it's been, uh, I, I mean, I love it. I'm just addicted to it since I was a kid. I mean, first time I saw someone driving and I just stopped in my tracks and I thought, I don't know what that guy's up to, but it's gotta be something cool because <laughs> that car's cool and that must make him cool. So, um, so you also do some photography. So tell me about tell me tell me about Eric Arnold photography. Tell me all about that. All right. Well, I've been you know taking photos all of my life. Of course, as a lot of people do. Um, I'm self-taught, so I I started early with like a little 110 camera that my parents gave me when I was a kid, and you know just started taking pictures. And you, you start developing your eye before you do anything else. Before you learn how to do settings and all that kind of stuff on a camera, but. Uh, when you get hooked on it, you know, just like anything, like it kind of feeds you. You want to learn more and how to do more. So it continues to pr- progress as far as your skill level does, and you start to kind of right. take it up a notch every time you get into it. Right. Uh, so I, I would go to car shows and take pictures with just my little point and shoot camera, and you know, I'd get a lot of comments like, "This is a great photo." Like, I like this photo because of this. Right. So it was kind of like egging me on to kind of get into it even more. And I finally, I pulled the trigger and started my actual business, Eric Arnold Photography, uh, just over five years ago now. And it, it's really uh, blossomed and taken off since then. And so through Eric Arnold Photography, what kind of stuff do you do? Do you just mostly do car shows? Do you do weddings? Do you do anything and everything someone wants you to do photography wise? Or what's your, what kind of, what's your boundaries in that? Well, my... My focus is automotive. 98% of what I do is automotive. And 99% of that is Volkswagen. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, I'll do just about anything. I've done two weddings. Yeah. Like, they're not my favorite thing to do. <laughs> it's, it's, it's super stressful. It's you more of a grind. Shot, right. Like, all right, I have one chance to get that kiss, you know, right. and that's it. Once it's over, it's, it's over. It's hard. Right? Can you guys kiss one more time? Yeah, can you just go back up there and do it again? <laughs> like, when you're doing a car, you can just like, well, I don't like that shot. Let me move two feet to the left and take it again. That right. car's not going anywhere. Right. So like I do family stuff every once in a while, family portraits. But like what I really concentrate on is the automotive stuff. And so uh, that's where I've seen a lot of your work is a lot of the magazines. What, what magazines have you shot uh, Volkswagens for? All right. Well, I shoot for Hot VWs on a right. regular basis. Yep. Uh, Volks America. They're a relatively new magazine. Uh, Volkswagen Camper and Commercial in the UK. Okay. I've done work for a Combi Magazine in France. Nice. Air-cooled Classics Magazine and Combi Life Magazine in Australia. Oh, nice. And let's see, I've done some work for Vintage Truck Magazine. That's nice. outside of the Volkswagen yeah. thing. 
Uh, I did some stuff for 10-4 magazine. That's uh, big rigs. Yeah, truckers. Right. 10-4. <laughs> yep. And I did a couple uh, big pieces for uh, Large Car Magazine, another big rig magazine. Oh, nice. And so uh, I noticed some of the stuff that you're doing for uh, Hot VWs. You're, are you writing the articles as well? I am, yes. And so how do you like – do you like taking pictures more than you do like writing the article? Or do you, you enjoy doing both? Or Well, I enjoy both. Yeah. Like I enjoy the photography part more than I like the writing part because I've never really been a writer. Right. But I've been developing as a writer. Sure. Okay. Like I tried writing three or four years ago when I first got into the magazine stuff. Yeah. And it didn't have the right feel. Like it was way too technical. Yeah. And not personal enough. But now that I've gotten back into it at the request of Hobby W's actually. That's that's, that's a pretty nice request. Right. They say, okay, I told them when we started working together on a, a regular basis, they, they asked me, could I write? I'm like, well, I can, but I don't know if you're going to like it. Right. So they just give it a shot. So I did with my first piece uh, under the Hoppy W's new ownership. Mm -hmm. And they loved it. So oh, great. I, I must have flipped the right switch <laughs> and like made the turn. So I've been writing for them ever since. Well, I think that, and, and I think it maybe is a little more natural to write about something that you're into. Like if you're just a, a sort of generic automotive writer, you've got to go look at uh, a Subaru Outback and make it seem exciting or try right. to telegraph that experience. But I think when you're in the scene and you have a passion for it, it becomes a little more, uh, maybe a little more easy to kind of get into what you think your reader's getting into. So how, how difficult do you find like trying to figure out so so when you get an article published in the magazine you get a feature or you know a car show coverage or whatnot do you how much say do you have in what pictures they select or is it all up to the magazine and then when you kind of sit back and think like well why did they pick that one over this one i thought this one was better than that and i mean do you kind of ever do that when you're do you over critique the way things are done that you put out uh well i critique everything i do yeah every single thing i do i critique but to answer your question like i will take the like I want to do a feature shoot of a car. Right. I might take 300 photos. I'm going to turn in 50 of them and they will pick from those 50, whatever they want to print. Wow. So that's completely up to the graphic designer and the editor. Yeah. I don't have a say. Uh, one time it's like something came back and it didn't have my favorite shot from that shoot. Right. I'm like, I was really hoping this one <laughs> would make it. So they, they switched one photo for me. Yeah. That was it. Well, so they give you a kind of a proof on it, so they get to, so you get to see kind of how it is before yeah, it goes out to public to print. Yeah, uh, for Hot VWs anyway, I see stuff before it prints, uh, just because I have to write the captions. So if I see something in there that needs to be changed, I can request a change. Oh, good. So now I'm going to ask a question for our listeners out there. So our listeners out there that are out there building a car and getting ready to debut their car, do whatever they got to do. What, as the photographer, what catches your eye when you're walking a car show that you're that you know everybody? I think. You know, as people that people that didn't have cars featured, when they don't have their car featured, they're always looking in the background, see if there are bugs in the background or whatever the case is. Like, so advice from you as a photographer, like what would make you have a natural incl inclination to just start shooting pictures of a car? For me, it's personal touches. Uh, I'm all for 100% stock, mm -hmm. and that'll catch my eye too. But if I see something that you did to your car that says that's your car, that's going to grab me. So if it's like just a, a super custom shift knob yeah, or you did this to the door handle or you have like this little inscription on your side view mirror, right? like something super special that's unique to you, 
that's I'm going to see that. So you're kind of looking for personalization and details. Right. Now, I notice on your bus, your bus is fairly stock. My bus is very stock. It's interesting that you say that because there's kind of, there's kind of a bridge across there when you go from personal touches to like personally customize your vehicle. So now from the school of vehicles, are you a stock or custom guy? Okay. It's, it's a, it's, this is a rough question. I am a stock guy. Right. As far as like overall vehicles. Uh-huh. But I love things like the 90s style bugs that right. are just completely tricked out. Yeah. Well, there's almost nothing stock on it. Yeah. I can go both ways. At, at the end of the day, I'm a stock guy though. When you look at, um, so you're there objectively, do you take yourself kind of out of your place as like a stock guy when you're going to go shoot a car show? Cause you're thinking I need a, a broad selection of what's here and I'm going for what kind of like, if somebody wasn't here, what, what they should have seen here, whether it's stock or customer, whatever it is, do you kind of set to the side? Like, okay, I'm not really focused on what stock or what's this, like what's grabbing my eye well, I need to snap, but, <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, are you, are you looking for things that grab your eye? Like at a car show specifically, I'm there to cover the show, right? It's not about me. Like I'm going to see things that I like personally. And of course I'm going to take those if, just for me, if not for the magazine I'm covering for or whoever. But if I'm covering a show for a magazine, I'm purposely going to get a little bit of everything. Yeah. Because, you know, it's up to the magazine to print what they want, but I have to give them the best variety to choose from. And okay. everything should be represented. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think... Um, you know, my personal feelings about Volkswagens are, uh, you know, that it's kind of a blank canvas for anybody. And that's one of the things, and you'll hear me say this over and over on the podcast. I'm sure people are kind of tired of it. So I might end up cutting <laughs> it out. But I mean, I think that's the great part of it is there's so many different people from different walks of life that are in, in the VWs that it gets, you know, you can see so many different people at different income streams and different backgrounds and different everything that come in and converge into this hobby and they're all able to kind of add what they think. And so it's kind of, it's, it's kind of tough looking at the scene when you, when you kind of see, you know, especially in the internet, there's a lot of internet wars and, or not internet wars, but like people flame people out or whatever, or everybody decides in, in today's day and age that they're going to give you their two cents about your vehicle. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? It's, it's super easy to post a comment online. Right. And, and run, and run. And I gotta be honest with you. I used to be on a Samba. I, I don't want to say a ton, but I was on there, especially when I was building stuff and doing things. I was, I was on there quite a bit. And then, you know, when you go to post something on the Samba and you're, you're, it's like, Hey man, check out what I'm doing. This is my thing. And then somebody comes on there and just starts busting on it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of a thing where you, you take it kind of personal. And it's always interesting to me that I've never realized that the people that do that are not conscious of the fact that that to some extent, it's like, A, nobody wants to hear what you have to think if you don't have anything to support it. And if you don't like it, why even say something to just tear somebody down? Right. And it's, it's interesting how the, how the scene goes. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I kind of pulled back off the Samba because I start posting some stuff about a thread on a car that I had. And then some guy starts posting some stuff and then... I wasn't super happy about it and you know it just it just didn't make for and then I just thought like you know what like I really don't need anybody's approval um, I'm not seeking it but I was just trying to share and so that that's kind of the bad I think that's like the bad thing about the forums and the internet and stuff like that is where people can kind of jump on some people and and, and say some stuff and I think it's uh, it's always good to remember that this hobby is for everybody I mean there's millions this is the most mass-produced car ever of all time there's millions of people in this hobby and 
and really everybody should have an opportunity to express their own self out of a car now you know um but that being said if you didn't have your bus and you could pick any other volkswagen to have what would you pick well i would say my dream volkswagen would be a late double cab yeah a bay, bay window double cab bay window double cab with a type 4 engine which is pretty rare in this country yeah but that's that's what i would like to have so uh, I actually knew where there was one about two years ago, but it was just a shell. It was a bay double cab, but uh, a bay double cab, huh? Bay double cabs. You know, it's funny because I, as you've seen when you came over here, that's kind of when you came over to the shop slash studio, <laughs> you noticed I have a bay out front. So I had to tell all my friends I was bay. Yep. And so, but it's funny because the the more late model. So I have my '62 crew cab. I've got my '67 bus, and then I've got a late bay. And, and I can't, I, I'm not, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> the late bay is the most comfortable bus to drive out of all of them. I mean, it's, there's the seating position, everything. And it's funny because as Volkswagen evolved, their focus was the consumer and their experience driving and making it more comfortable and making more, these things you see a lot of times when people start modifying stuff, it's less about comfort and usability and more about look and feel. And I do like a late model bus, especially the way that they drive. I mean, the evolution as those cars went on, they're just super comfortable. So um, late model crew cab. Well, I'll keep my eyes peeled for you because I've, I've seen a few out there. But it's a, that's the crazy part. You know, my first my first crew cab that I had, I bought for $400. And um, the side was all roached out of it and had a friend of mine fix it for me. But over the past 15, 15 18 years, I mean, they've gone from... 400 bucks to like a, a rotten carcass is going to cost you 6,000 bucks. Right. At a minimum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's, so what are your thoughts on like, as you've been in the scene for a little bit now that you've had a chance to see things start to go crazy and even the Bay market is starting to push quite a bit now. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think, uh, you know, what are your thoughts on, on the, never-ending progression of of why that's happening in the scene right now as far as especially the late the bays and stuff are starting to push up in value a bunch right well i think it's honestly kind of sad because it prices people out of getting into the hobby it's like when i bought my bus it was twenty five hundred dollars wow your bus my bus was the bus you have now is twenty five hundred bucks right sweet moses right that's a deal right it's worth more than 10 times that now just because the market yeah. has changed. Oh, like absolutely. I've done things to it, but yeah, come on. The, the market's completely different. Oh, absolutely. And 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 the great part about those campers is the is the utilitarian aspect of it. I mean, especially if you take yourself back into that time period, like what that bus had in, included in it mm-hmm. to make it a camper right. was super functional. I mean, really, really functional. Um, I might have your deal beat by a little bit because old Bull Run bus that we see in the background here. Mm-hmm. The bull run bus I bought for one hundred dollars in Goldfield, Nevada. Oh boy! And I, here's the craziest part: I found it in 1995, and then I went back and picked it up in 2000. So wow! But yeah, I I, I, I kind of share that same philosophy. You know, everybody says the internet's killed everything, and you can't find stuff. I, I personally believe there's so many out there that there's still some deals out there to be found, and and, I, and that's what I hope for people because I like that aspect of it. I mean, the reason I got into them is because. I was kind of broke, didn't have a bunch of money, and I wanted to look cool, and I knew that was the cheapest way to do it. <laughs> well, if you want to look cool, the Volkswagen's the way to do it. Yeah, so uh, there's also something that, that you do that's pretty cool. You do a calendar every year. I do. And tell me about the calendar. 
Well, the calendars I put together uh, from the photo shoots that I do throughout the year. Okay. Like I take all the shoots that I do, buses, bugs, everything, and I put them all together and I have to pick the 12 I think will look best in the calendar. So this year I did uh, four different calendar versions. I did oh, really? one that was just buses, one that was things. Yeah. Well, I did a water-cooled calendar for the first time. And one that just encompasses everything else. So it's bugs and type 3s and Gias and everything. Nice. So as of this moment, everything is sold out except for the, the bug and oh, everything wow. calendar. So. And so to market this, do you market specifically just on the Samba place like that? Or do you have it all over? Like can they find it on Etsy and eBay and all that kind of stuff? Or do you just primarily sell on the Samba? Uh, well, actually, this year I didn't put any on the Samba. Like really? I didn't even put an ad out. Really? I have them on my website. They're nice. available there. What's your website address? ericarnoldphotography.com. Okay. And if you buy them through my website, I donate $10 of each purchase to the Animal Foundation here in Las Vegas. Oh, that's awesome. Right. That's fantastic. I, I do have them on eBay and Etsy yeah. as well. The, the price is a little different there, but it doesn't have the donation aspect. I try to push people toward my website so I can get that donation going too. And so uh, how many years have you been in the calendar now? Um, see, I started in 15. Okay, so we've been in the calendar three, four years now. Four years, yeah. So four, four years of calendars, and every year you run a larger production batch? I do. Okay. I, I take pre-orders, like kind of leading up into it, so I can right. gauge what I need to buy. Nice. And yeah, it just keeps going up every year. Well, that's awesome. And then there's definitely no, there's definitely no shortage of people, I think, wanting a cool calendar, you know, especially with kind of their cars in it, you know? Yeah, especially if your car's in it, you might pick up a couple and give them as gifts right. or whatever. But yeah, it's like some people say, well, I don't need a calendar anymore because I have my phone. I'm like, well, you're buying 12 photos right. for a pretty decent price. You know, you can just tear them out and hang them up if you want to. You know, it's also, it's a, it's a good thing to be able to support someone's art or hobby that they get into, especially if it coincides with one of your hobbies. I mean, I've got a calendar that I picked up from a, uh, a, a vehicle artist who does renderings and he just did some super cool renderings and he had a calendar. I don't use a calendar. I mean, I use my phone for everything, but I thought, you know what? It's cool looking for the garage. Right. So I get it for that. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, why not support this guy who's doing what he does? So, I mean, I think it's, uh, I, I still think there's a, there's a good market there for it. And then plus stagnant, you know, just at a glance type stuff, having it at your desk at work, things like that. And also mm -hmm. being able to express your, your hobby through that. So besides the calendars and then you're still doing the, are you still doing the table support or not, not anymore? Uh, not currently. My manufacturer retired, so okay. he's kind of just off the grid. So no problem. If somebody wants to manufacture those, let me know. All right, and I can get that going again. Good. And did you sold those pretty good? Those sold fairly decent. Yeah, we sold a couple hundred of them. Oh wow. Yeah, that's... and people still ask. Wow. And we haven't sold them in a couple of years. That's pretty surprising. I right. mean, you think you think the niche market's kind of small, but you know, that brings me to talk about uh, you know when, when a few years back when I went to a European Buggin, I was with my buddy Chris Cox. Rest in peace. And I was kind of rolling with him, and he's kind of a big wheel in the VW scene. So here I find myself in a in a minivan with the guy from, you know, uh, the guy from CSP and the guy from Flat Four, and like all these guys that are like the people that make stuff happen. And, I, and just thinking from a business standpoint, I said to him, I said, "Is the VW scene are sales declining or increasing?" Everybody said the sales were going up year by year by year, and this was like. This was like 14. This was still like 2014. This was still part when we were coming out of the recession. But I mean, I, I was surprised by that because sometimes I think we feel the scene's getting a little bit smaller. But according to those guys that sell worldwide, the scene is getting bigger, bigger, and bigger. So well, that's good news for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. So what's uh, what's your favorite show to go to? 
uh, hands down, Buses by the Bridge. That was pretty much the first show I ever went to, and I go every single year. I and what year? Will not miss it. What year did you go to Buses? That was. Uh, I went to my first Buses in 2002. That's I was looking for a bus to buy, so I went there. Yeah. I ended up buying my bus on the way home from there in Kingman, Arizona. So hold on, you so you found in Kingman, Arizona, a two-owner all-original camper bus, right? For twenty-five hundred bucks. Yes, I love those. You know, that's my favorite part of the deals. And some people get really reluctant about telling what they paid for stuff, but I think what I love about the deal is it gives people hope that there's stuff out there. And I still believe that there's stuff out there. You might have to be quick on the newspaper. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to have the the recycler date delivery right. memorized of Thursday. It was getting dropped <laughs> off. So like Thursday, <laughs> Thursday or Wednesday night at one o'clock in the morning, I'm going by to grab the recycler to see what's in there and whatnot. Yeah, but got to jump on it. Yeah. But, uh, I think, uh, you got to be quick or you got to know the kind of part that bums me out is when I think about this just recently, cause not far from my neighborhood, there was an 11 window bus in someone's backyard mm-hmm. and someone had gone to this person's house and said, Oh, Hey man, that bus, that bus is worth $20,000. You know, and so all of a sudden this guy who had a bus who probably wasn't that concerned whether he kept it or not, it went from, well, I'd like to get whatever I can get over 15,000 for it. And I looked at it and saw it sitting there for years and thought, eh, one day I might go pull the trigger on that bus until, and then, and then it got ruined when someone posted it on Facebook and was like, Hey guys, who wants to know where this bus is? I talked to the guy and this is how much he wants for it. Oh, and then all of a sudden yeah. it became like something like that. So that stuff kind of, kind of, kind of bums me out in the scene because like, like you said earlier, I think it's important that the scene stay open, that anybody can get in the scene that we, we keep, you know, it doesn't become an exclusive group of people that can only have to pay big money to get stuff. And so, um, yeah, it's, it's, that's an, that's an amazing story about buying that, about buying that bus. And so knowing what you know now, did you know what a find it was then? No, not at all. You were thinking like, I'm getting this dumpy bay window. I mean, it's a bay window. No, everybody, <laughs> I want a split bus. Everybody's got split buses, but whatever. I'll take this West failure, whatever this thing is. Right. I don't even know what I'm looking at here. Yeah. Uh, when I first started shopping for a Volkswagen, I'm like, well, I either want to get a bus or a square back. My thought was like, I could throw my bicycle in the back right. and just have it just in case, you know, yeah. something happened. I could just hop on the bike and get to work. But then I'm like, I don't know. Buses are pretty cool. And when I went to that buses by the bridge, I'm like, you know, these are pretty sweet. Right. There's all kinds of different ones. I wasn't too picky at the time. Like I knew how much money I had in my pocket and I was just trying to give a better feel for the market. You know, I had seen the ads on the Samba and stuff like that. And thankfully it was before the market exploded. Right. So oh yeah. I was able to just take that $2,500 and pretty, get a pretty decent bus. Other than just general maintenance to it, you, you haven't had to do a ton of stuff to this bus. I mean, you've just done your, your typical owner, like new piece of rubber here, new lock mechanism, little, th- but nothing like no major overhaul in this thing as of yet. Uh, nothing major except for the, the interior I redid. You know, I, with the Westphalias, like they have that uh, veneer, the wood veneer on on top of the plywood cabinets. So right. It was all peeling because it just sat in the Arizona sun forever. So it took me a year to do, but I pulled everything out, took all the veneer off, took the, the resulting wood down mm-hmm. a level, stained it, cleared it, and put it all back in. So it was actually so. So, so the original panels were all solid wood panels, and you yeah, were able to. It's five ply plywood. Wow. Underneath that veneer. So what I did is I, I took the veneer off and I sanded it down to now it's four ply. Right. So it changed the grain 
and I just uh, stained it and put it back in. Nice. So you, you got some skin in the game on that bus, which kind of makes it a little more personal touch. Like you, you feel pretty proud when you get inside and think like, I redid that, I redid this, and now it's kind of my space. Right, exactly. The one that I have, I'm currently selling, and my thought when people call me, I said, look, it's a runner, driver, it's a, it's a great bus, it's a good value for what you get, and it's got enough little stuff on it to where you can do little weekend warrior projects. Put some new, replace, pull a couple windows out, put some new rubber in, put them back in, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, I think that, you know, the, the, the tinkering aspect is more fun than the full project aspect because the full project aspect I think starts out as like a ball of fire and then was really quick it turns into a sparkler right (laughs) once it's once it's apart and the only thing standing between you and a completed project is a big sack of money in time (laughs) that's what it takes sometimes it's a giant sack of money yeah your favorite show buses by the bridge have you been any shows out of the country no not yet no yeah I've been to I've been to a few shows I've been to EBI and I've also been to um the uh, Volks World Super Show, and I'd recommend going to those shows. If you want a different show experience, they're completely different shows, and it's 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 something that everybody should take an opportunity to go do. I mean, they're just I can't say enough about them. So, anything we're leaving out that I didn't touch on you with? If we got the photography that you did that you do currently, and then we've got your calendars that are out right now, and then you were doing a you were doing a show a few years back. You're doing a show out in the Gorge in St. George. Tell right. me about what, what was that all about? That show in St. George. Well, um, it was just called Volkswagens in the Gorge, right? Mm-hmm. We did it in Cathedral Gorge State Park, okay. which is uh, about 150 miles north of Las Vegas. And it was just a camping event. It was just a, kind of a get-together. It's not meant to be a giant show of any sort. Sure. Uh, is another thing where I was just trying to raise a little money for the Animal Foundation again. So people would come and just hang out. There's a lot of hiking and bike trails and stuff in that area. Nice. So people could just do whatever they wanted to. And, you know, turnout was pretty small, which is what we expect, you know, for a first-time show. Sure. Uh, but we still had a good time. You know, I thought I had a good time personally, yeah. and everybody I talked to seemed to have a, a decent time. Well, like, the, it, it's nice to camp in your bus, and it's it's in the crazy part, just trying to find time in the weekends to make it happen, and then trying to pick your event, you know, from putting on events. It's, it's tough. Sometimes you pick a date, and then it's like, uh-oh, there's something else on that day. Yeah, it took me a long time just to settle on the date. We did it in late October. Yeah. The problem with late October was because of the elevation change, it was super cold. Like we wake up on Sunday morning and it was 27 degrees. Oof. It was it was pretty rough. That's a little chilly. Right. So we did that for two years. Um, what did we did it in 16, 17. Yeah. Uh, we took this year off just because I don't didn't have the time to plan it. Uh, maybe I'll bring it back, but if we do, we'll change the date a little bit. Earlier. Yeah, kind of bring it a little, a little closer to September, maybe. Right. Yeah, it's 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 funny because you know, as you know, I put on the Las Vegas Auto Swap meet. Yes. And putting that event on, it's a it's a single day event, and it I mean it's a pretty involved task. I mean it takes quite a bit of work, and then not to mention the actual. The, the, the field promotion that it takes, the putting out flyers, the being everywhere, and every time you're sitting down, I think what some people don't realize, the people that go to shows, they just kind of sit back and think like, oh, this show sucks, I'll put on a better show, let me just go do it myself, and then they get into it and they start realizing like, man, this is a ton of work, and all of a sudden you're sitting at home thinking, well, I can't relax tonight because there's a car meet over here and a car meet over there, and I gotta go take flyers and go do this and go promote and go do this and go do that, and it becomes an all-encompassing event. All right, so... Uh, well, we've had a pretty good conversation. We've learned a lot about Eric, a lot of learned a lot about Eric Arnold Photography. And, um, you know, any last tips that you'd like to give 
somebody wanting to get their car featured in a magazine, I mean, can they reach out to you and shoot, shoot you pictures on your website about their car? Do you get that right now a lot right now? Or what, what can you do like to that, to that kid sitting at home listening to this podcast that wants his car in the magazine? What, what advice do you give them? All right. I actually set up a page on my website, ericarnoldphotography.com. Uh-huh. There's a get featured link. Oh, nice. So you click that. Uh, it tells you what information to send. You just email that to me with a handful of pictures, and then we start talking back and forth, and we'll see what we can do. Nice, nice. Well, that's awesome. So any of you guys out there want to get your cars featured, make sure you go to ericarnoldphotography.com. Also, um, give me some do's and don'ts about a photo feature. Do you like to pick your own location, all the stuff, or is it helpful if you're going out of town and uh, the, the person you're going to go shoot their car, they've got a couple of good ideas. Like what's ideal for background? What's the wrong time to shoot? Like what are some do's and don'ts for, for a feature? Well, location is super important for a feature as you know, cause you've been in a couple of features. Yeah. Uh, when I go out of town that it's, it's hard because I don't know the area very well. What I ask is for the car owner to go out, find three or four locations that they think would be good for their car. Right. Take some sample pictures and then email them to me uh, along with an address so I can check it out on Google Maps. And then we start narrowing it down. It's like, okay, this spot would be good because of this. Right. Like, can you find another spot that has a little bit more of this kind of thing for your car? Sure. So we try to do things that are car specific. So if a car looks better in front of a brick wall than it does a desert scene, then that's what we try to gravitate for. Yeah. What are the hardest shoots to do? The hardest shoots are cars that are white, cars that are black, and cars that are red. Really? Those are the three hardest. Really? Why? Well, when you're shooting a white car, yeah, like you want to expose for the car, and that darkens everything in the background because you you want the car to look right, but right. then it kills the background. Same thing with black. Oh, really? So to, the... to get black right in the camera, you have to set your exposure just for the black, and then the background completely gets washed out because if it's a bright blue sky, it's going to come out white. Really? Yeah. So you have to like meet in the middle. Sometimes you have to take a black car and shoot it in the shade completely just to get the tones right. Yeah. And then red is kind of finicky just because, you know, there's so many nuances to red and just dialing in the red, right? is kind of hard sometimes. What are some things that, so finding a location is a good thing to do. Have having people find a location to shoot their car and then submit those to you. Yes. And then is there any correlation between the type of car and the type of location? And like, what, what's the connection that you try to make there? Well, I, I go with the feel of the car. It's not necessarily a bus needs to be in a natural setting and a bug needs to be downtown. Sure. It's how does the car present itself? Right. Because, you know, if it's a patina car, maybe we want to do that kind of in an industrial area. Or if it's like a completely stock, maybe we want to do it out on the road somewhere. It depends on the car itself. Yeah. So there's there's no 100% saying, okay, this type of car has to go here. Now, let me ask you this question. What bugs you about, like when you're looking at features in the magazine, what's one of your pet peeves that you see that just make you a little crazy? Um, shadows, really. Oh, so you're just obviously, you're, you're just looking for shadows in pictures? Well, shadows kind of pop out at me because sometimes you, just, you can't help it, right. right? Depending on if you're shooting at the If it's 10 o'clock in the morning, you're getting shadows. <laughs> right. And that's okay sometimes, but if you can avoid a shadow, like... If I see a photo, oh, there's a giant shadow here that you could have been avoided if you took one step to the left. Right. That kind of bugs me. Yeah, or it looks like something's grown out of somebody's head or something to that extent. When, yeah, you, when you definitely avoid that. <laughs> <laughs> what, are some, 
Well, good deal. Well, I definitely appreciate you coming in and talking to us. Um, uh, it's good to get to get some time to sit down and chat with you. I know we bumped into each other a lot of shows here and there. So I uh, appreciate you coming in and everybody can check out things with uh, all things Eric Arnold at ericarnoldphotography.com. Uh, go to his website. There'll be some links on our webpage about this and some a uh, couple of little snapshots of some things that we discussed about his bus. And uh, I appreciate you coming in. All right. All right. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for listening to Let's Talk Dubs. I want to remind you guys to click, like, and subscribe. Go check out our Facebook page at Let's Talk Dubs. Check out our Instagram at Let's Talk Dubs. Also, our YouTube page, which is Let's Talk Dubs, where the video format for these will be up. Uh, make sure you guys click, like, and subscribe. Leave us a review so we can uh, get continued followers and we'll keep this podcast going. Thanks, guys, and see you next time.